Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by someone who's quickly becoming one of my favorite people in supply chain, and that is Lindsay from Sarai Trade out of Hong Kong. She came on the show and talked about all the amazing and incredible things that they're doing in global trade using their technology and how they've gone from 3,000 clients at the beginning of COVID to now 20,000 clients. You are not going to want to miss this. It was a great episode. Whoever listened, I hope that you enjoyed it. But remember, if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast or anywhere that you subscribe to to the show. And it was episode 237. But you can also catch the interview over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube page as well. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Throughput.ai puts industrial material flow on autopilot by leveraging existing enterprise data. Throughput's AI software predicts demand, reorients production capacity, reassigns warehouse space, and reorders materials optimally more than five times faster than leading contemporary solutions. So businesses minimize over-promising and under-delivering. Sign up for a free demo to see Throughput in action. Visit throughput.ai. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the last time on the podcast for 2021 and what an incredible year it has been. There has been a lot of ups and there have been a lot of downs, but In the end, we have gotten through 2021 and we're looking towards 2022 and making changes and thinking about strategy. And I think it's a super, super exciting time to be in supply chain. And thank you, everyone who have stuck with us, who have watched our live shows, who have commented, who have embraced everything that Let's Talk Supply Chain is. So today I'm joined by a journalist, logistics tech expert, and friend for a very special episode. Can you guess who it is? Well, I'll reveal it after the question of the week. So the question we asked you, what is the best Christmas song? Well, we got 431 votes and 34% of you said, all I want for Christmas. 28% of you said, most wonderful time of the year. 17% of you said, rock around the Christmas tree. And 22% of you said, other. We had some really, really great comments by Nick, Jeffrey, Vanessa, Sam, Timothy, Sir Dave, Michelle, Adelpho, Vivek, Karen, Crystal, Bill, and so, so many more. I mean, we reached about 35,000 people and we had some really fun comments like Claudia Nolten-Chike over at Google giving us a spin on Christmas songs, but putting them into supply chain context, which was a lot of fun too. So thank you so much to everybody who um, engaged with that poll and uh, hopefully you will come back every single Wednesday morning in 2022 and be part of our polls as well. We are going to be asking you for feedback in one of the polls a month because we want to make sure that we are delivering content 
that you are going to want to watch or listen to or gives you actionable insights that you can take into your day-to-day. So now back to today's podcast and who is joining me on the show today? Well, of course, it's Eric Johnson. I'm sure there aren't many people out there who didn't guess that correctly. So here we are at the end of another year and wow, what a year it has been. There is a lot to unpack. So in this very special episode, Eric and I are going to discuss some of the events of the year, the key and emerging trends and reflect on what might be to come in 2022. If you haven't yet tuned in, Eric Johnson hosts Log Tech Live on the first Friday of every single month across the Let's Talk supply chain social media platforms. It's sponsored by Chain.io, and it happens at 10 a.m. Eastern, where he has lots of amazing guests on the show to talk about supply chain technology or logistics technology. He also might throw in a dad joke or two, and he also talks about the buzzword of the month. So go and check that out. We've got past episodes on the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube page, or you can catch him live over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube on the first Friday of every single month. So welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I am so good, and I cannot believe that we are another year down, and this is our end-of-the-year episode. But let me tell you, I'm super excited that you're here with me today for this particular episode because you cover so much in a year that I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say. But before we do that, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. So uh, primarily, I guess I am a reporter at the Journal of Commerce, uh, which of course is a publication that covers global logistics, trade, shipping. Uh, I focus on technology. So I'm really looking at all the logistics technology providers out there. Um, The buyers of that technology, why they would buy what trends they need to be aware of. So that's that's kind of my day job. My other day job is being on Twitter a lot at LogTech Eric. Uh, my other day job is writing a weekly uh, Substack column uh, or newsletter. Uh, just go to ericjohnson.substack.com. Uh, and then my other day job is hosting a monthly show on your network uh, called LogTech Live, which is the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. Eastern, if I have that timing right. So. Yes, you do have that timing right. That's That's, the most awesome. It is. And honestly, it's a fabulous show. It's sponsored by Chain.io. You have a lot of fun. um, And I know our team has a lot of fun. You talk about buzzwords, you do a dad joke, um, and really give everybody kind of an insight on what's kind of happened in the month before. And so that's why you're perfect for this episode. So just like on last year's year in review show, I think we need to start with COVID. I can't believe we're still talking about this. Last year, I don't think any of us thought we would be in this position at this point in 2021. We've had more lockdowns, the Delta variant, issues with vaccinations, which I've highlighted particularly in the maritime space. So let me ask you, how do we embrace acceptance of the fact that COVID just isn't going anywhere? Ooh, that is a tough question. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, I just got my third shot, my third Pfizer shot a week or so ago. So that was really, that really hit home and I'm lucky, right? Like there's literally billions of people around the world that struggle to get a single dose. So um, right. I, I'm extremely grateful to have the opportunity, but it, it also kind of was like, 
yeah, is this going to be a thing where, you know, we are going to be struggling with it over a long period of time and not struggling just from the pandemic itself, but the uneven nature of it. Right. So I think that really impacts our industry a lot because what happens in one region has such a knock on effect on the others. Like we're seeing it in, in China, right. Where there, you know, they have a very different sort of MO around when there's uh, cases that spike and they go into total lockdown and total shutdown, forget lockdown, shutdown. And we saw that hit production capacity in China that has an impact on freight flows into other regions. Right. So I think that's going to be the thing that is most difficult for our industry to grapple with is just the unevenness of this virus as it, as it, you know, spreads and variants emerge and how different regions address it. I don't see, I don't see an even kind of approach to this for at least another couple of years. And I I am playing an epidemiologist right now. I have absolutely no (laughs) idea what I'm talking about. With regards to the actual virus, but I just, I just know that that unevenness is really difficult to grapple with. Well, and all over the place, right? I mean, before we got started with recording, we were talking about travel. Some people can travel. Some people can't travel because of their region or they can't travel because their organization's policies on business travel and conferences and things like that. So do you think we've actually learned anything in the last year? What have we, what have we learned? What kind of stands out as, you know, something about where we were in December 2020 to where we are at December 2021? So that's an interesting question. I think if you think about what we've learned, I think we've learned that we, well, okay. So if you would have said in February, 2020, sort of as an objective statement, the logistics industry is very adaptable, right? Right. When it comes to technology, the kind of catch or the sort of going theory is, oh, it's an archaic industry. There's, it doesn't adapt well to technology. But if you think beyond technology, you would say, well, the industry really adapts well because basically every single day something comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a little small thing with one shipment or a big thing like a port closure or something or an Iceland volcano erupting, right? So we are used to adapting. The operators in this industry are super used to adapting. What we've probably learned over the last 20 months is we are even more able to adapt than we realized we were. So we Mm -hmm. could adapt to working in different remote environments. We could adapt to using different systems that we didn't have to before. We could adapt to uh, potentially moving to different suppliers on a moment's notice. We could adapt to literally shutting things down and then ramping them back up. And then now this is where it's debatable. We maybe haven't adapted to, at least in North America, to having a 30% increase in demand into the same infrastructure that we used before. True. But, you know, freight is moving. Like st- shelves are not empty, despite what you see in some newspapers. Um, certain certain products are out of stock at certain times. Certain companies are really struggling and feeling the pain. Mm-hmm. But as a in aggregate, I think we've probably learned we're more adaptable and resilient than we even realize and give ourselves credit for. Well, and that's interesting because I literally just got off the phone with um, somebody that's in piping, right, in Canada, here in Canada. And what he was saying is that now his shippers or his suppliers are asking for unrealistic minimums 
that's what they're up against. So this, these, the tidbits that he kind of gave me today was really not anything I have been hearing about. Like you've been hearing about freight rates goes up and he was talking about freight rates going up. But what he was also talking about is that suppliers are putting in unrealistic minimums right now. And so I think the suppliers have also learned to use the machinery that they have and pivot onto different products. Mm -hmm. But that's creating a bit of an issue too, because they're pivoting onto products that actually make them more money rather than maybe like a plastic piping. And I think the other thing that we've learned is that everything is super connected. So I did a story the other day um, about an article that linked sawdust and the price of milk. And the reason for that is because farmers need to keep the cows comfortable in order to produce milk. And they buy sawdust to keep the cows comfortable. Well, when lumber goes up, the price of sawdust goes up, which means that the price of milk goes up. And that's all because of supply chain. And so I think the other thing that we've kind of learned is how everything is correlated and things keep popping up, right, as to how they're correlated to supply chain and how they affect us on a day-to-day -day basis. And that, that's been kind of fun. If you've watched anybody, sort of the light bulb moment goes off and they're like, oh, really? And I use that cow story all the time because it really puts that into perspective. So I like that. I like the fact that, you know, we've been adaptable, but I think, you know, also with technology, I mean, the, f the amount of technology that has been implemented, I think over the last 18 months is staggering. Is it not? Yeah. I, I sort of, again, I sort of have like, I have kind of a dubious, Okay. Of, uh, take on the uptake of technology over the last two years. I feel like, okay. um, you know, I hear on one side, there's the, the providers say we've seen 200, 300, 400% growth over the pandemic. Yeah. Um, when I talk to buyers, it's, it's not that we've invested in three new systems that we did before. It's, it's more, we realized what didn't work and we are going to, in the future, prioritize what we need to invest in a little bit more than we had before. Whereas, so something that was on the back burner is now on the front burner, but I haven't turned the, I haven't turned the, the burner on yet. Right. <laughs> okay. So, right. I, I mean, and look, I'm just, I'm generalizing here, right. There will obviously be companies like, you know, some companies that are releasing their actual revenue figures, the numbers are staggering in terms of like the growth that they've seen. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, in talking to a lot of shippers and forwarders, it's like, yeah, we, we know we have issues that we need to sort out. We know technology can help with a lot of them, but it's not like we've, you know, ripped up our entire budget and are spending only right. on technology this year. Right. So right. I think it's just, it's really accelerated the, understanding of what needs to be invested in rather than that digital quote unquote digital transformation that everyone was supposed to have undertaken by now. Well, and it's a step in the right direction. I mean, if everybody sure. has taken the last 18 months to get at least a bit of their data house in order, I mean, what more can we ask for? Because oh, that's huge. <laughs> the, look, I mean, I think we will look back at this period as a catalyst for sure. I just don't yeah. think I don't think it's all happened in the two years. I think what we'll yeah. see is over the next five years, we will see, we will have seen what these two years did at, you know, 
in the next three to five years, I would say. Yeah. And I also think it's brought the importance of data analytics and predictiveness to the table, right? I mean, those are three huge words that I don't think that we've heard enough of in the last 18 months. And it's because, you know, of the chaos that COVID kind of threw everybody in, especially with the increase in e-commerce, right? I mean, we saw like a 300% increase in e-commerce and I'm quoting numbers from December, 2020. I mean, I don't really know what those numbers look like in 2021 with people kind of getting back out there and going to events and stuff like that. And so I think we've also seen a flurry of acquisitions and mergers, right? And huge investments this year across the industry, from companies like Walmart, Amazon, I think um, American Eagle just, they have invested in two uh, logistics companies yeah, yeah. this year, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. What, how? I mean, from what I read from the American Eagle article is that retailers are now competing supply chain against supply chain. They're not even really thinking about product anymore. So, I mean... This is what people have been, at least people selling solutions in logistics and supply chain have been arguing this for a while, is that you compete on your supply chain, you don't compete on the yeah. product, right? So right. Um, that if that's coming to fruition now and the pandemic and e-commerce growth is what did it, then that's a really interesting thing to like legacy to look back on this period. It, it's, yeah. you know, I think a lot of the, because of the, unusual nature of some of that those acquisitions like retailers buying their own 3pls um maersk buying and cma cgm buying airplanes and right. you know it, all those sort of what i would call exotic kind of acquisitions mm-hmm. um it also it's kind of obscured there's been a ton of sort of more normal acquisition in in the 3pl space in the truckload space truckload companies buying ltl carriers um, FCL, sorry, LCL companies that traditionally cater to forwarders wanting to go direct developing products to go direct to e-com shippers, right? So it's almost like everyone used to play in different rooms and they come together for dinner. This is a bad analogy, right. but they play well, in different rooms and come together for dinner. Now it's just like one big room and everybody's playing in the same room and they may play with the same toy for part of the time. And, but there are literally no boundaries anymore. Like um, the e-com thing, especially, you know, LTL has gone crazy because so yeah. much of what's moving e-com is, is ends up going LTL. Um, and especially things that people, you know, pre COVID might've gone into the store to buy and now mm-hmm. are buying even more online and that needs to be yeah. shipped. Um, and, and so you, you're, you know, we've seen truckload, com- truckload, massive truckload providers buying LTL, small regional LTL carriers too, right? And yeah. everybody is really focused on what to do parcel, right? So, um, I don't know if the growth on e-com is sustainable, right? Like maybe we've, maybe we reach a plateau of growth mm-hmm. each year, but it doesn't yeah. seem like it's going to slow down anymore because we. We ha- we don't we as like consumers have not really stepped back and said we don't like this right like this right. is not good for us it's more like yeah. we want more of it like I you know you get accustomed to a certain Wi-Fi speed and then you it's hard to go back right it's same right. with like I, you can't ask me 
to wait four days for something that I was accustomed to getting next day. Right. Although that's happening right now because of yeah. all the supply chain issues. There's, but those are I, extenuating circumstances, right? And so I, if yeah, you yeah. like return to some sort of normal baseline, the expectation will be, yeah, that shouldn't take four days anymore. It should take. It's true. It's true. And I think, you know, through COVID, we retrained ourselves on our buying habits, right? So for, for items that we would normally go to a store for and we couldn't go to the store, and I'm talking about all ages, right? Because the boomers are used to going to stores and buying their product in stores, and then they were forced to buy online groceries, you know, all sorts of different products. And so our buying habits have completely changed. And I would say there's not going to be a lot that are going to go back to pre-COVID buying habits and that there's going to be a lot that are going to stay online. So even with people going back to events and things like that, there's still that income of what was spent in store. Um, A a lot of that income being that was spent in store going to be spent online. Yeah, it it will. I don't and I cannot pretend to know what this looks like, but that it will be interesting to sort of see what the equilibrium of in-store versus e-com is because, you know, I think people as social creatures like to go shopping if the experience is right. And there's whole, you know, yes, experts Mm -hmm. and publications that focus on re on the retail industry and what drives it. And, the, and I read as much as I can of that. And it's, it's obviously, it's about experiences. It's about, it's not about like, you know, maybe Costco in America is like, just get as much stuff as you possibly can in one go. But right. other places are like, I want to be dazzled while I'm shopping. Yep. I don't necessarily just want it to be a utilitarian experience. And so, yeah. you know, maybe that's what this morphs into. And, and then we do the sort of drudgery of shopping at our, on yeah. its own. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't know what that mm-hmm. equilibrium looks like. I also don't know whether, like, there's a certain amount of in store that keeps happening, but the e com keeps growing. And that just means that, like, the total pie gets bigger, not necessarily right. sharing the same pie. Because e com right. enables, when things are in stock and there's inventory, e com enables an ease of purchase that is not re- replicable in store. Like, you yeah. can just be mm-hmm. lying in your bed in the middle of the night and with Apple Pay, you right. I make ter- five terrible purchases in, in five minutes, right? <laughs> I've um, done it. Not five, but I made one. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? So <laughs> that's that's a scenario where I think the pie grows. It's not mm-hmm. replacing a sale that, w- that would have taken place in person. In it's yeah. adding a sale that never would have happened in the first place. That's very, very, very true. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. So let's take a look back on 2021 and let's talk about disruptions. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be all doom and gloom about this, but I think the only way that we can really look back on the year is that's defined 2021 is all the disruptions. So let's start with shipping, right? We've got, we had the evergreen stuck in the Suez Canal, port congestion that started in uh, before March, but March was really a catalyst when 1800 people at the port of LA and Long Beach were off for some reason due to COVID, um, which obviously really started us on that backlog. And then record numbers of containers overboard as well. What else would you add to that? I mean, that's on the international side. And what have you kind of heard from shippers in in your world about those those disruptions? Yeah, well, first of all, I have to say, um, 
Halloween was only a few weeks ago. The number of ever given Halloween costumes was quite impressive, <laughs> right? Like That's impressive. Uh, and the I meme. I mean, the world embraced say. the disruption the world and created that was, that's gonna be the, that might be the defining moment of 2021 actually from a visual <laughs> perspective, right? So, um what else? Uh Vietnam shutting for I forget how many weeks, 6 weeks, right? Like completely mm-hmm. shutting factories. That was the yep overflow production and in some cases the primary production area for a lot of industries especially apparel footwear um so that just completely going off the map like Mm -hmm. in in a few critical weeks prior to the christmas season i think got a lot less attention than than it should have yeah than Mm -hmm. other things that were visually more interesting but had less impact um Mm -hmm. you know similarly shutdowns of ports in China, ports that move insane amounts of volume and were just closed down for three, four days. Like those are the types of things that are hard to capture in a, in an image, but are massively disruptive. Right. Um, I think, uh, the, you mentioned the Delta, like the Delta was, was the Delta variant was this sort of weird wave that didn't uniformly move around the world and it affected different regions in different places in different ways. Um, But I think that's looming in a lot of people's head. Like, well, what if the next variant that we Mm -hmm. can't see comes before we have the ability to like really repel this? Um, So just the Delta in and of itself, I think was probably the biggest disruption to supply chains over the year. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we don't hear enough about containers overboard, which I think we saw like the amount in one year within like three or four months. And that's kind of, you know, the tail end of 2020 going into 2021. But then we also had the ice storm in Texas, which not a lot of people talked about or related to supply chain. But, you know, there was at least one factory there that creates resin for car seats. And so right now we're seeing, you know, car lots empty, not only because of what's happening overseas, but also what's happened domestically over the last uh, year or so as well. And so there's been like these these not small events because I don't want to minimize them because of the impact that they have, but there's been multitude of events that have kind of happened. And then most recently um, Zim with the uh, fire on board and they reported something like 29 containers, but it ended up being a hundred. I know a couple of people that had containers on there, but now it's, it's um, claimed general average. So not only did they pay $25,000 for a container, they now have to pay all the additional charges that come with general average on top of all the additional charges that are happening right now. I mean, shout out to Alison Cusack if you need help with that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was a good shout out. Um, so, and then, you know, you've got like steamship lines aren't taking empties back. And then just recently out of Vancouver, it wiped out the rail lines between in, in the Rockies. So shippers are kind of sitting there like, what, what is next? Like, what do I do, Eric? Well, you know, you, you, I totally forgot about the ice storm and you had an ice storm Mm -hmm. in Texas and you had a heat dome in beast in like the forest of BC where lightning was created by the fire, which is blows my mind. Um, so you, you you have that and you know, the, the overboard containers, uh, I'm not a, and I don't pretend to be a specialist in kind of ship operations. Um, but everything that I've read is, you know, 
we're, we're sort of stressing the system because there's such a rush. There's such a rush to get back to, to Asia, fill mm-hmm. up on super lucrative outbound cargo from Asia. You're going to end up with these scenarios where ships are not necessarily stowed correctly, or there's mislabeled cargo that puts other cargo at risk. Um, it, you know, all of the slack in the system was basically taken up one way or another, right? I mean, I think yep, we've, we've reported somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 20% of, of kind of capacity in the system is being absorbed by congestion. Hmm. So that just means at a time of increased demand, you have capacity that literally is not, is, is out there, but can't be used. And that just mm-hmm. stresses the capacity that can be used at that given moment. So it's a it's a recipe for things on the, on the periphery to go spectacularly wrong, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, it leads me to the mental health of people within the industry. And that also leads me to the seafarers. So one of the things that I do want to talk about and that we have been, I don't know if you guys have been talking about it, but I've been talking about it with uh, fellow industry folks trying to talk about it more on like thoughts and coffee and things like that. I mean, if you think about it, there's 80 vessels out in the port of LA and Long Beach. They all have a crew on there that cannot go anywhere, that cannot do anything, that might not have connection to their home country or their families or things like that. And I think they are the glue to 90% of global trade. And I think we, it, I think mental health for, you know, obviously shippers and people that are going through these disruptions on a day-to-day basis for organizations, but I think also around our, our seafarers, I think we need to talk a What's taught me this year is that we need to take care of our own. We need to talk more about mental health and we need to talk about more of the human element of supply chain rather than when am I going to get my next product? Not being able to meet in person creates a sort of detachment to human the human element, right? We, well, we aren't even able to meet our fellow pencil pushers and keyboard warriors right now, much yeah. less the people who are actually physically dealing with the cargo on the seafarer thing. I want to be careful for us to not tie the extreme working conditions that they are going through to the pandemic, because this was a super rough, super emotionally destructive job, even in the best of times, right? Yeah. Pre COVID. Absolutely. I mean, this is a job that requires you to sometimes be away from your home and family for like nine to 11 months out of the year. Right. Yeah. You, if Mm -hmm. you wanted, you could probably be gone every single day of the year. Um, it's a pretty thankless job. It is, you're, you know, you're sort of more bonded to your crew than you are to anyone in your home for, Mm -hmm. you know, for all intents and purposes, it's been exacerbated by what's gone on with COVID, vaccine yeah. availability for them, mm-hmm. uh, total detachment from the rest of the world. Uh, and then, you know, the the port congestion just makes it a lot more visible, which is, I think, hopefully a good thing because people yeah. are talking about it. The question is, I think the question is, what can you do? What can we do to make it a better environment for you know, frontline workers, whether they're seafarers, whether they're in warehouses, whether they're long haul truck drivers, what can we physically tangibly do to make those jobs not, you know, they're not going to be corner office overlooking central park jobs, but what can we do to make them 
more comfortable and more respected and better compensated because that's what it boils down to. And that's an amazing question. And you, you and I aren't going to answer that today, but I think it's a question that we can put out into the world. I think it's a question we can put out into the audience so that we do keep that top of mind as we go into 2022. And maybe we ask more questions, right? We get more involved in conversations about it. We push questions. We push conversations around it. And that's how we make an impact, right? So you and I talking about it, asking that question um, to the audience, you know, saying we don't have the answers. That's all part of pushing this forward and making an impact. And that is something for me in 2021 that I've really strived for is that impact piece. What does that look like? How can we do it? So I want to turn our attention to shippers, right? And what what can we do, right? In October, when the U.S. Transportation Secretary, Pete, I'm going to butcher his name. I'll I'll cut you off. Buttigieg. Thank you. Was asked about all of this. Even he said that there are going to be disruptions and shocks to the system as long as the pandemic continues. So let's talk practicalities. What can we do? What can we take from all of this? How can we be proactive about managing this ongoing? Well, don't get out your crystal ball. We're not. No, I know. I don't have a crystal ball. ball. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the historic. I'm gonna leaf back into the pages of history here. I'm not gonna look forward. Um, I was actually just talking about this earlier today, so it's fresh in my mind. About 15 years ago, there's a guy named Ron Widows. Are you familiar with him? Right. No. Formerly, he he led APL. Um, he's head of Flexivan now. The the chassis. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. He went on a sort of barnstorming tour of in the U.S. in I think it was around 2005, 2006, trying to galvanize support for what would be a national freight policy in the U.S. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Basically, everything that's been said today, everything that the Port Envoy, everything that Secretary of Transportation, everything President Biden has said. Basically, sounds like it could have been said by Ron Widows 15 years ago. And there was probably some other person who 10 years before him had the same idea. So what can we do? Well, if we wait for a government coalition to say this is what needs to be done, I think we'll be waiting another 10 to 15 years for anything to happen. So it's really about how – and this goes to your favorite topic. How can – private entities in the industry work better together and solve problems on a, like a one-to-one basis that have a bigger impact. Right. So I, I mean, I think everyone needs to think about, you know, whether it's using technology, whether it's creating some sort of partnership with another company, that's not anything Mm -hmm. about technology. We, we need to figure out where we can like, get better efficiency, even if my company doesn't get a hundred percent of it or even 51% of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, we can't expect there to be some nationwide or or regional policy, North American policy that will wipe away all the problems that we Mm -hmm. saw this year. The, the, I mean, reality, the problem was we had a pipe that was this big and there was this much cargo trying to go through it. And we were pretty good at figuring out, when there was this much cargo going through this much, this big a pipe, how to make it just fit through. But if you, you know, too much volume for what 
the the actual physical infrastructure could could handle, right? And yeah. So I, I don't really think there's a way to necessarily get around that, no matter how focused the White House is on this topic. I will say though, the fact that the White House is so focused on this topic isn't in and of itself unique. That does right. not happen. Forget it. Forget about it. It doesn't happen with every presidency. I can't remember it happening with any presidency that I've been that's that's been around while I've covered this industry. The only time they tended to get involved was when there was a port strike or looming port strike. Someone mm-hmm. would go and say, "Hey guys, knock it off." And then it would get rectified. Mm-hmm. This is much more of an operational bottleneck and yeah. the fact that the White House is so interested in it is unique. I just don't know if they have the tools to actually change fundamentally change the industry it has to come from within yeah it absolutely does and i think for me it's going to come from collaboration which is what you were talking about i think embracing the technology and really listening to the data right where we can be more predictive and we can take a look at what we've done in the past i think it's about really figuring out where you want to take risks in your supply chain Where do you want to take risks? Where do you not want to take risks? And then what does that look like? You know, sit down with your suppliers, talk to your suppliers about the risks and where they are in the supply chain and brainstorm with them. You know, diverse perspectives in your supply chain conversations are only going to be innovative and creative, create new dynamics, new conversations, and new ways of thinking about your supply chain and how you can utilize that in your organization as well. And so those are kind of my key, key tangible takeaways from, from this conversation and taking them back to your teams and starting to have those conversations. One of the things I will say is that Costco has chartered vessels, three vessels until the end of 2022. So I believe that we are still going to be talking about this, hopefully not to this extent, uh, by the end of 2022, but if neither of us have a crystal ball, but if if that can be any indication, I do want to give that to you so that you can plan and prepare for what the next 12 months could potentially look like. Anything else that you would add there, Eric? Two things uh, on the vessel thing. I mean, they're not alone, right? There's been a real grab uh, of secondhand vessels and especially smaller vessels in the market, which indicates to us that all of those vessels don't need to be used in feeder services in remote right. parts of the world. They're, you know, I think the carriers are at least in the short term seeing a need to augment what they can, what they can do uh, on these kind of congested trades. So um, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I hope. I think again, I don't have a crystal ball. I think if we're still talking about this in the year end show in twenty two then we don't have really like a short-term transitory thing is this is like kind of a new scenario for us. And we need, and we need to think about building infrastructure to match that. If it Mm -hmm. is, then, then it's like, well, this was just a historic kind of one-off and we likely won't see that kind of activity again. And we have the, we have better tech and processes in place to handle surges. So and the other thing I would add is, you know, around your collaboration point, and the point I was making earlier is this is an industry that, you know, they, no one will come out and say this, but it's the fact it's an industry that loves to be fragmented, right? Mm-hmm. We don't like 
to you it's no one wants to use one single provider for everything and no mm. and if you get 100 people in a room they all don't like to use the same provider right so yeah. there's a there's an inclination toward fragmentation that is very hard to break so if that's the reality we need to figure out some framework where we get over the problems of fragmentation because there are benefits to being diverse and, and not having all your eggs in one basket and one point of failure. But there's a lot of problems with it as well as mm -hmm. in aggregate. And so we need to figure out a way to get around that fragmentation while it's still there. Absolutely. And well said. And hopefully we'll have you back here for the next one next year so we can compare notes to what we've been talking about today. I want to end on a personal note. I mean, sometimes when you get to the end of a year, usually exhausted, it can be difficult to remember all of the projects you worked on, everything you actually achieved. So I want to share with you some of the huge things that happened for me in Let's Talk Supply Chain this year. And just to say thank you to everybody for all of your support in everything that we've rolled out we've done this year, it's really meant a lot. So we celebrated our third birthday of Let's Talk Supply Chain along with our 200th episode. We also launched Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia Pack as a franchise, and we're going to be looking at Let's Talk Supply Chain Europe in 2022. I launched my LinkedIn Live sustainability course, and it's got over 4,000 subscribers so far. We've had a year of blended, which is the newest conversation in diversity and inclusion. And let me tell you, we've had some hard-hitting topics, and the guests have been amazing, just really sharing authentically. And, and it's been a real learning experience, that one for me, because there's magic in bringing strangers together um, and sharing authentically. And of course, we've got our new live shows. So Topple, um, Eric Johnson with LogTech Live, of course, Abby Baird with Coming In Hot, and we've got a lot more new live shows coming at you in January, February, and even beyond that in 2022. So I'm super excited. I hope you guys are as well. And I think that Eric and I could really talk all day and probably all night too. I mean, we just don't schedule enough time for Eric and I to talk about all the world's problems. And we could talk about the ups and downs of yet another roller coaster year. But I always enjoy discussions like this because it's only in reflection and in hearing what others have to say that you can unpick the real insight and value in the experiences we've all had. When you're deep in it, it's hard to see the wood for the trees, but this show serves to remind us that there have been a lot of positives, a lot of exciting developments, lots to learn and dig into next year. I can't help but feel kind of excited, actually, because I know that there's so much good to come. So a big thank you again to the wonderful Eric Johnson for joining me today. What a way to round out the year. Thank you, Sarah. If I can really quickly, I just wanted to salute you as well. Um, I don't dole out compliments all that often, at, at least publicly. Um, you, what you do for the industry, I think is, is really to a certain extent, it's still not properly appreciated. Um, and for selfishly, thank you so much for the opportunity to have a show uh, on your network. It's been super fun and amazing to work with your team. Uh, but just, Amazing to watch what you've done in the community you've built in the, in this market. So um, I, I, I have to sing your praises as well before we sign off. Oh, thank you. I feel like I'm going to blush or cry or probably both. 
Because <laughs> Eric, you don't. And that like that means so much, so much to me. And it, the same for you. You bring so much to the industry. And honestly, I'm just honored that we could collaborate this year, even more than we have in past years. And I think it's just going to grow into 2022. And that just makes me super excited for the future. So thank you so much, Eric. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And if you're having a supply chain challenge, just use the search button and type in the solution that you're looking for. Maybe not the company name, but the solution like visibility or yard management or anything that you're looking for because we've most likely had them on the show. And then you can listen and see what they can do for you. And remember to come back in 2022 when we'll be bringing you even more amazing supply chain content. Until then, have a happy and healthy holiday. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or also over on TikTok. And remember, you can find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop or... If you'd like to get our supply chain dictionary for free, all 107 pages of it, go to the Let's Talk Supply Chain Instagram and send us a direct message with the word talk and the number one, all in one word. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.